You're listening to the weekly podcast of Citizens Church with Pastor Chris Norman. For more information on the work that God is doing through Citizens Church, please visit us online at citizenschurch.org. Well, about once a year, I take some time. Thank you very much. Uh, about once a year, I take some time to hit pause and, and, and cast some vision for the next season that we're running into. And I, I think vision is so important. You know that one draft horse can pull about 8,000 pounds by, by himself. But if you put two draft horses together and they pull in tandem, they pull in the same direction, they could pull, you would think, one horse is 8,000, two horses is 16,000. That's not true. Two horses in stride can pull 24,000 pounds because it's two draft horses pulling in the same direction and you get multiplication of, of effect. Does that make sense? Okay, church, listen, when I ask a question, coach, I'm not just talking to you. Everyone thinks I'm just talking to you, but does that make sense? So what we do in, in, on a Vision Sunday is it's, it's just getting us all pulling in the same direction. Um, above the Redlands Bowl, it says this. It says, does anyone know? Come on, tell me. What's it say? Without vision, people perish. Without vision, people perish. And that's true. Sonny, if we get the fans kicked on, it would be awesome. Thank you. Still fanning ourselves. Without vision, people perish. Now, listen, that's true, not because it's above the Redlands Bowl. That's true because it's in your Bible. Do you know what it says over in the book of Proverbs chapter 29? Proverbs 29, it says this, where there is no vision, the people perish. Let me break this down for you. What scripture is saying, when there is no vision, vision there, it means when there is no understanding of God's heart, no understanding of God's will, of God's mind. Now watch, when there is no understanding of God's heart, God's mind, God's will, people perish. The word, matter of fact, your Bible might even actually have this translation. It'll say this, they cast off restraint. So let's break this down. When people don't understand God's heart and his will and his mind, what they do is they cast off restraint. They do whatever they want. They live however they desire. And here's the problem with that, is that if you and I do whatever, we end up wherever. And so we got a whole lot of people today running around, and they're just, they're just kind of living in whatever. And so you got you to kind of whatever marriage you got to, like, whatever relationship with the kids. you got to whatever, you know, work life. Everything, everything in life just, just kind of comes down to this place where it's all just kind of whatever. But, friends, you need to understand, God's got more for you than whatever. Amen? He's got, he's got vision for your life. God's got vision for your marriage. God's got vision for your kids. God's got vision for your occupation. God's got vision. God's got vision. God's got vision for our church. God doesn't, so we don't just approach church and just go, <laughs> just go, okay, we're just going to do whatever. No, I believe God's got vision. Amen? And I'm about you, but I've always wanted to live, live in the context of vision. I want our church to live in the context of vision. Because we're, we're, we're connected to a God who's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we could ever ask or think or imagine. What does God do? I'm inviting you just to get some vision, get some vision. And here's what I want you to know. You're connected to, and I've been, been, I'm grateful for this. 
I'm grateful to be connected to a church that's got vision for days, like literally vision for days. I always tell our, we, we meet with um, our legacy team. Our legacy teams are those who, in our church, who have the gift of giving beyond their tithes and offerings to help accelerate the vision of our church. Whenever we meet, it's a, 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 we always say, hey, we got millions and millions of dollars of vision. I mean, we could run, 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 run. When we're done running with the life God's given us, we're going to have left something that the next generation can stand on and do more with than we've ever been able to do in the time that we've had. Like, we've got, we got vision. So three of us are excited about the vision. That's okay, though. Um, I mean, honestly, church, like, we, we I, I don't want to waste my life. I don't want us to... I don't want to waste this opportunity we have as a church. I, I don't want to get to heaven and look back and go, well, you know, I, I wasted it. I, I think the biggest challenge is for Christians is, is uh, not that they ruin their life. It's that they waste it. It's that we just don't actually spend it on the things that, that, that matter. And, and so in order to find out what matters, you got to have vision. You got to hear God's heart. You got to understand what he has for your life and your marriage. This is making sense, everybody. You with me? My prayer for citizens has always been that, that we'd live with vision. I'm actually grateful that we have vision. I mean, we're, I think God's postured us recently with this move uh, to this venue. It's been incredible, but it's been, a, it's been a gift. And I think God's postured us now to reach more people than we've ever reached. I, I think we've been postured in a way to genuinely impact and influence the whole Inland Empire. I, I believe that. I see that in my heart. Matter of fact, that was spoken over us long before we even planted the church, that, that citizens would tap down into, 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 a, into a spring that would overflow and, and spread down into the city of San Bernardino. And, and we'd see healing brought to San Bernardino and, and strength brought to our cities. Like we would see God do work. And I see all this. I believe God's postured all all of those things. But here's what I want to say is as we go into like vision Sunday today, I, I don't want to necessarily talk about all of those things because see, I could, I could go and we're going to do a dream center someday and we're going to this. And we're, we're actually right now in the process of trying to find a hub. So we got Sunday morning here, but then we're going to do like our, our student ministry and all those things need a spot to hang and, and have midweek services. And we're going to do it. Excellent. There's all these things that, that, that we're after, but, but here's what I want to say to you this morning. Here's what I want to challenge you with this morning is that we could have a massive vision and we do, but what I want to challenge you and I in, in this next season in your life personally and us as a church is that we wouldn't just have a massive vision, but we'd have a narrow focus because I think a lot of people love to talk about big dreams. Now, you got a big dreams for your marriage. You got big dreams for your kids. You got big, everyone loves to talk about the things that you think you could post on Instagram, right? The, the, hey, look, we've arrived. But no one likes to talk about the next steps. No one likes to talk about the, 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 the small things, the seemingly insignificant things. But here's what I want to say to you, friends. Life is not just built on your dreams, in other words, your dreaming about it doesn't actually bring it into reality. Does that make sense? I'll say it to you this way. We don't ultimately run at the speed of our dreams. We move at the pace of our steps. So I'm dreaming. How's your dreaming? But how's your walking? What's your focus? And I just think it's so important in life and in, and in ministry as a church and as individuals that we got to move from just talking about the many things. Someone say many things. I mean, we got many things. You got many things. You got to move yourself into a place where you're not just talking about the many things. 
And, and you get to the place where you're talking about the one thing. Because I honestly believe that if you can focus on the one thing, here's what I propose to you. If you can focus on the one thing, you know, you focus on the right thing. And you live your life every day focusing on that one thing. Then you'll actually someday be experiencing and walking in the many things. But if all you do is talk about the many things, you don't learn how to do the one thing, you'll, you'll never, you never stand in those many things. Is that making sense? Someone say one thing. It's one thing. It's one thing. I think if we're going to see the many things, we've got to focus on one thing. And that one thing, listen, I'm going to boil it down like this, is that you and I in this next season, I'm going to challenge you right now. And I pray that God by his spirit just speaks to your heart that as you move into this next season, you, you, are, you are laser focused on is that you're just going to live for the one. Come on, you're, gonna, you're just going to live for the one. You know, Paul the Apostle, you look at the life of Paul the Apostle, we all agree, like, Paul was pretty busy, right? Paul did, someone say many things. Paul did, if you follow Paul around, he's busy. So Paul's, Paul's planting churches, so he's planting, he's, he's writing scripture, he's planting, he's writing, he's, he's sailing, he's running but sometimes. Like, Paul, Paul's, like, from people who are trying to kill him, Paul, Paul's, Paul's just busy. Everywhere you look, there's just stuff happening around Paul's life. He's, he's preaching and traveling and building and leading, and, and all this is going on. And in the midst of everything that was going on, Paul was, Paul was wildly effective, Right? Like all of those things that Paul did, God used in mighty ways. So in the wake of Paul's life, we could all agree that, man, God used his life to accomplish some pretty significant things. There was churches planted, there was scripture written, right? And you would look at all of that and you go, man, Paul was sure doing a lot of things. He had many things he was doing. But what's interesting is that when you actually interview Paul, you get into his thinking, you get into what the Spirit of God had, had taught Paul and how, how God worked in his life. What you find is the secret. Here's what I'm trying to get us to. Is if you interview Paul, he'd be like, no, I'm not doing many things. I'm doing one thing. One thing. Listen to what it says over in the book of Philippians chapter, chapter 3. Paul writing says, not that I've already obtained all of this or already have been made perfect, but I press on. We could preach a whole message on that. You just keep on keeping on. You press on. You don't give up. Paul's like, I'm going to press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me. He's like, I know God grabbed a hold of my life for a reason. That's what he's saying. He took hold of me for a reason. I wake up every day wanting to take hold of the reason he took hold of me. Does that make sense? It's like, I just want to glorify him. I'm just running after Jesus. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but watch this, this one thing I do. Paul's like, I got one thing I do. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind me and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize of God in heaven, in his heavenly calling in Christ Jesus. Paul says, I'm doing, someone say one thing. Every day he gets up and says, I'm, I'm pressing on to lay hold of that with Christ Jesus laid hold of me. I'm thinking about Jesus. I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to honor and glorify him in everything in my life. So it might look to you like I'm doing many things, but it's all really just one thing. He boils it down this way over, over in the book of Philippians chapter 1. Philippians 1, he says this. For me, I mean, Paul, what is life to you? Well, Paul, life's traveling and writing and building. and this. No, 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 no. Paul says, for me to live, Christ. That's it. Paul, it's another, come on, give me your strategy. What, what? No, listen, I wake up every day and I go, Jesus, 
Jesus, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. My life is just for me to live as Christ. Oh, and by the way, if you're able to live in a way where you're living for Christ, then you can say the next part, to die, that's gain. Like, I'm not even afraid of death. Because I'm living for Christ. I know when I die, it gets even better. So you, you can't mess with somebody like that, right? So Paul's singularity of mind kept him moving into everything that Jesus wanted to do with his life. And here's what I just want to challenge you with, challenge us with, is that we don't just talk about the many, but we focus on the one. I'm going to live for the one. Every day. It's all I'm doing. It's my main focus. There's a simplicity to that. Come on, there's a couple things. First of all, when you live that way, there's a simplicity to it. I think a lot of us need some simplicity right now. Come on. You, we have overcomplicated life. We have, we have diluted it into just, I'm being pulled in so many directions. I've got all these, uh, I got all these voices in my life. I got all these, these influences in my life. I got all these pressures that are around me and in, in the midst of all, I got all sorts of confusion inside me. And, and I've overcomplicated life. And I think a lot of us, come on, you ever feel that way? Like, I got what my, my parents think, and I got what my friends think, and I got what, what TikTok's telling me, and I got what Instagram says, and I got, and it's just all these voices in my life that are just loud, and now I found myself in this place where, where I'm just, I'm, I'm confused, and I'm lost, and I'm trying to sort through everything, I'm sort through everything the world's saying, I'm trying to sort through everything my emotions are saying, and here's what happens, friends, when you live that way, you end up losing your way. Did you hear me? When, when you live with every influence and every, everyone's opinion and it, it just, just, you're open and it's bombarding your life, you will lose your way when you live that way. And some of you have lost your way. But here's the good news. Jesus actually is the way. He's your why, you see. And if you know your why, you'll find your way. And if your why is Jesus, come on. You're always walking in the way. Is that making sense, everybody? Do you see the simplicity to it of like, watch. They say, they say, they say, they say, they say, they say. What's he say? That's all I'm concerned about. I wake up every day. I'm like, I am not living before an audience of many. I'm living before an audience of one. Come on, like, Jesus, what do you want? Jesus, what do you say? You see, this is the, this is the focus of my life. It's, there's a simplicity to it. I want you to know that simplicity. It's a lot less stressful. Well, what if I do what God wants me to do and they don't like it? They can go stand somewhere else. Here's what I say to you, honestly. You often play out of your mind, well, if I do what God's called me to do, then that's going to happen and this is going to happen. Listen, here's what I say to you. Do what Jesus is asking you to do and let him worry about the consequences of it. God will will take care of all of that. You see, because there's a simplicity to this. Let me give you a little bit of an illustration that scripture uses. So it'll help you process life, something to filter everything through. Here's, here's the filter that scripture gives us in, in Colossians. It, it says this, whatever you do, just whatever, whatever you're going to do, here, here's what you need to remember, whether in word or in deed, so you're saying it or you're doing it, here's, here's your filter, right? Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. So everything I'm going to say, everything I'm going to do, can I do it in the name of the Lord Jesus? In other words, listen, 
How many of you, come on, your kids all went back to school. Let me see hands. Come on, all your kids went back to school, right? Your kids are back in school. Let me ask you, how many of you have had your kids bring home like some papers you need to sign? Right? Yeah. Every time the kids start school, like they come home with all these papers. And now, parents, let me help you. You're supposed to read those papers. Right? Because here's what you find in those papers. Before you sign them, what you're going to find is, hey, here's what, here's what Johnny's going to be doing in school. Here's what they're going to be exposed to. Here's what's expected of them. Here's what, and you just kind of, all these things that, that Johnny's going to be doing in school this year. And before you put your signature on all of it, you need to read all of it because what your signature means is, watch, I sign off on all of it. I endorse all of it. I agree with all of it, right? Johnny can now go to school in the name of their parents, under the covering of the, with the yes of mom and dad in all of these things. And it's the same way in your life. Like, think about this. I need to be able to live away in a way where in word and in deed and everything in my life that Jesus can just go, yeah, I'll sign that. I'll endorse that. Like, I, I'm behind that. I'll put my name on that. It just simplifies everything, right? So if Jesus can't sign it, then I probably shouldn't do it. Are you okay, church? It's just this simplicity. There's not complexity in that. It's just the surrender. It's this place. It's this, come on, it's putting Jesus back in the center of everything in your life. Everything boiling back to what would Jesus say. So Paul boils everything to one thing, and his one thing is this. I'm living as unto God. I want him to sign everything. The pie chart of life. If you haven't been around, I talk about sometimes the pie chart of life. And some of us are going, I can't do one thing. I got many things. I got school. I got this. I got that. I got all these things I'm doing in life. Well, here's what Paul did. As he didn't live life like how we sometimes today in, in this generation live. You see your relationship with Jesus and Christianity is just an area of your life. And so you cut out of your life a little part of your life to give to that aspect of your life. And so God gets a little bit of time on Sunday morning, and now pastor's talking about me doing a like, small group thing, and so I gotta maybe give, and I'll give God this part, and I'll give him that part, you know, and then there's devotion part, so maybe I'll get my devotions, but I never really do as many devotions as I should, and so I'm, giving, I'm trying to give God just kind of little parts. No, stop. Here's what Paul did. In everything he did, build that pie chart out, what he did is he put Jesus in the middle. God's right in the middle. And so if I can't pull that aspect of my life back to God in the middle, then that aspect of my life doesn't belong in my life because my life has been simplified. For me to live is Christ. Amen, everybody. Like he's just going to sign it, sign it, sign it. So there's a simplicity to that kind of life, right? But by the way, that's ultimately what we do as a church. You know what we're here doing? We just wanna, I just want to help you keep Jesus at the center. I, like, you know what? You, kids ministry, we're not just babysitting your kids. Go watch them so we got a moment. No, we're helping them at a young age understand what it looks like to keep Jesus at the center. Our student ministry, you know what we're doing? We're helping them keep Jesus at the center. And in every endeavor, in every effort, man, we just want to help you keep, someone say it, Jesus at the center. There's a simplicity to it. But I want you to understand this too. There's also worship to it. We're closing out our Worthy series. And in the first part, we talked about the fact how how. God and God alone is worthy. Everyone got a list. Come on, everyone's got a list of priorities. Only Jesus belongs on top of that list. He needs to be our priority. Only he's worthy. 
And then we talked about, okay, if Jesus is the only one who's worthy, what does it then look like to worship in, in song? We looked at praise last week, what that means and all the different words of, of praise. But here's what I want you to understand today is that worship, follow me, is not just a moment found in a song. And we think that sometimes. Like, hey, everybody, let's go, come on, let's get into worship. Let's go to worship. I mean, I get it. It's, it's an aspect of worship for sure, a moment in a song. It's an, actually an aspect that God has called us to worship him in. But you know, there's a completely and entirely other aspect that we are to worship God in. It's not just a moment found in a song. It's a movement of my life. So it's not just singing on Sunday is how I'm living on Monday. It's not just what things look like in, in here as I honor and glorify God in song. It's what things look like when I get there and I honor and I glorify God with my life and with my living, with, with my speech and my actions and my reactions. You see, when Jesus is at the center and I'm doing everything I do and saying everything I say as unto the Lord, that becomes, listen, worship. I live a life of worship. Romans chapter 12, verse one says it this way. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God, this, this offering of your life to God, this is your true and proper worship. Scripture says, this is what worship looks like. You just offering your whole self. It's just living as unto him. And what I love about that is in view of God's mercies. So in other words, scripture says this, you know, those, those old, uh, balances. Come on. I just got a picture of balance up here. I'm always doing weird things with my hands. And this is what I'm explaining to you. What's in my mind right now. There's a balance, right? And so if you, if God puts his mercies on this side, it's just think about it. Has God been merciful to you, church? Yeah. Right. So I mean, if all we had that Jesus died, gave his life for me so I could be anchored in heaven, that is merciful. Did I deserve that? No. Did he do it? Yes. Thank you, God, for your mercies. But it's not just that. There's grace. Jesus ascended to heaven. He sent his spirit. He's empowered me to walk with him. Like, this is so much mercy on my life. I deserve none of it. So here's what scripture says. In light of his mercies, Ephesians says that to live your life in a way worthy of that which with you've been called or worthy of what you've been given. In other words, respond to his mercy in a way that's appropriate. So here's what you do. What do you go? Okay, I guess I'll tip God. I guess I'll maybe just give him a little, little nod or give him a Sunday here and there. Maybe I'll, you know, because he, you know, he's been pretty merciful. No, no. God has given you, downloaded so much into your life that you just got to go, I don't know. What do I do? Here's what you do. You crawl yourself up on that other side. You lay your whole life down and you go, okay, God, I'm all in. That's worship. That's worship. It's not just the song. It's the signature of Jesus on everything in my life, you see? And you guys, can I tell you something? It's my joy. It's not like, I, I guess I got to. Got to be a Christian today at work. And that's my joy. Why? Because he's my joy. I, I, I'm not forced to. Come on, I get to. Come on, church, everybody. Amen. So I just am... I'm trying to help you see, like, as we go into this season, I want this for you. I want this for our church. We're going to talk about the many, but you won't see the many unless you focus on the one. And if you can focus on the one, you'll actually live in the many. Paul lived in the many because he was so focused on the one. Just every, he took this so serious. He'd say, for me to live is Christ. And here's what's beautiful about this is not only is it simple, there's a simplicity to it and there's a worship to it. Come on, I need you to understand this as well. There's a strength to it. There's a power 
to living this way. That I think a lot of people don't experience because they're often not willing to actually lean in. But come on, listen, when you do, because you're going to, what you'll discover is God's waiting for you on the other side of your worship. God's waiting to carry you. This Jesus signing every area of my life, I, I need you to understand something. It's not just about what you stay away from. Because I think when I, when I say that, a lot of us are like, okay, well, I guess I can't do that anymore. Guess I can't say that anymore. Guess I can't go there anymore. Guess I can't look at that anymore. Guess I can't, right? And there's all these things. Like, man, Jesus is not going to sign that. So I got to stay away from that. I got to stay away from that. Listen, it's not just what you stay away from in Jesus' name. It's what you run toward in Jesus' name. So when, when kings would send out this, this what, Paul, when he wrote that to do all in Jesus, under his name, the, the audience at that time fully understood what, what Paul was talking about because kings would send people out in their name. In other words, like a king would send out an army to go defeat another army in that king's name. They would also send out builders to go build cities in that king's name. They would, they would, send, out, they would send out people in the king's name. And so going out in the king's name meant that you also went out with the full backing of that king and everything his name represented. So it's not just, watch, it's not just stay away from this and stay away from that in Jesus' name. I'm also, listen, I've got some commission from Jesus in Jesus' name. I've got some things he wants me to fight for, things he wants me to do, things, things he wants me to achieve. Come on, there's some things in your life right now that God's calling you to fight for. And, and it's been a long time. You've kind of ignored it and you've just, you kind of hope you wouldn't have to and you don't know, maybe you told yourself, I'm not gonna have the strength to, but here's what I'm saying to you reprioritize your life in a way where you wake up every day and you go, I'm not just staying away from some things in Jesus' name. God, I believe you've called me to some things in Jesus' name. What is he calling you to fight for? Calling you to fight for your marriage. He's calling you to fight for your kids. He's calling you to fight for your school, fight for your workplace. Come on, he's calling you to, some of you students, he's calling you to fight for your generation. He's calling you to fight for some things, to go build some things. And as you do it in Jesus' name, if it's what he called you to do, it's what he's going to equip you to do. He's going to empower you to do. He's going to strengthen you to do. He's going to walk with you as you walk down the roads he called you to walk down. Come on. I know right now God's going, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. I'm inviting you into this in Jesus' name. I've got some territory I've marked out in Jesus' name. And, and as you walk toward it in his name, the full support of heaven, hear me is behind you every step of the way. He called you to walk that path and he will not abandon you while you're on that path. I promise you, friend, you keep walking. Come on, in Jesus' name, okay? So think about this. Paul's just going, I'm, I'm living for the one, for the one, for the one. And with that, oh, there's just simplicity and there's worship and there's, there's, there's strength in my life as I choose to live that way. There's a power available to me as God just comes alongside me. I've seen the Lord do this in my life over and over and over and over again. Someone say, live for the one. Come on, live for the one. Now, as you live for the one, here's the other thing I want you to think about, us to think about as we go into the season. We're going to live for the one. And I hope that challenges you. I hope you, you take that serious. But as you live for the one, come on, you're also going to end up looking for the one. 
I'm going to look for the one. Someone say, look for the one. You know, I think a lot of us understand that a big part of living for God, so I'm living for the one, a big part of living for God is making a difference in the world. Like we understand that worship, a lot of us understand worship, it's not just about gathering, it's about scattering. It's about not just coming here, it's going there. So I'm not just going to honor and glorify God in the workplace, I'm actually gonna go make a difference in the workplace, right? I'm gonna, we, we talk about these things like, let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You are light. In other words, if it's, if it's not you, then who? You, you are the salt of the world, you are. And so there's all this, this challenge in this this um, momentum toward actually making a difference in the places that God puts us. Come on, you with me so far? Amen? So I think a lot of us understand that. Jesus said, go into all the world. So I'm going to not just gather, I'm going to go. Go be a light, go be salt, go be, right? But here's what I want you to remember in the middle of all that. We have to remember that evangelism and outreach is not just church-wide events. Evangelism and outreach isn't just church-wide events. Like, it, it's not just, okay, we're coming into a season. We've got, we've got, uh, we got serve day coming up. You'll hear a lot about that as we get into the beginning part of November. We're all together as a church going to serve our community. We've got that coming up. We, we've got our Christmas mall coming up where we give out um, and, and help provide Christmas for all these kids who wouldn't be able to afford it otherwise and these families who couldn't make. We're going to do all of that. We're talking as a staff about putting together some block parties where we just go in and bless some neighborhoods and we're, we're going to do all those events. But I think a lot of us need to understand that evangelism and outreach isn't just, you know, moving through a, a one-time church event. Evangelism and outreach isn't meant to be church-wide events. God meant it to be an individual call. So 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5 says this. He says, but be watchful in all things, endure affliction, and do the work of an evangelist. Somebody like, well, I'm not an evangelist. Do the work of an evangelist. When you're living for the one, you're going to show up to the workplace looking for the one. The, the one that God's called you to touch and God's called you to impact, God's called you to reach, like that you, when, you, when you're living for the one, you live your life in a way where you understand, man, there's, there's, there's some work God wants to do through my life in the places he's put me. I'll say it to you like this, church. You're not there on accident. There where? There where? There at the school they're at this place of employment. They're, they're, they're in this class. They're in this line. They're at Trader Joe's. They're at your favorite coffee shop. They're, listen, I need you to understand this. You're not there on accident. God actually put you there. He called you there. He's going to use you there. He's going to anoint you there. He's going to be with you there. Come on. He, he's going to use you there to do things there that only you can do there. I'm not there. You're there. God put you there. Come on. The early church, listen, come on. The early church lived like this, everybody. They lived on mission. 
It's not just something they gathered together and talked about. They walked out in every situation and every circumstance and every room they entered, they were just thinking, God, how do you want to use me? God, how do you want to use me? God, what do you want to do for me? God, through me. God, 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 who's the one? God, God, where are they? God, why am I here right now? What, what's going on around me right now? God, I know there's always more going on around me than I see right now. And, and you didn't just put me here to put, to just to be here. God, I'm an, I'm an influence. I'm an impact. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be an agent of, of change in the middle of this situation that I'm in and around these people. You've come on church you feel this is the early church how they lived but here's what happens to you and I we understand all that someone say I understand like I understand I'm supposed to go and I understand I'm supposed to reach and we understand all that but here's what I think happens a lot and here's where the enemy gets a foothold and here's where we are going to push past and break this so the enemy can't ever hold us here again what happens is you show up to your workplace come on you got all fired up on Sunday morning all right I'm gonna go make a difference at school this week I'm gonna reach my fellow employees. I'm going to, and you get all fired up and you walk out with your squirt gun and the world's on fire. Come on. You know what I'm talking about? You walk out with your squirt gun and it's not, it's like, everybody's a mess. Everybody got issues. Everybody's broken. Everything's hurting. And everywhere you look, it's just fire. Like, and you tell yourself that was great preaching preacher, but the reality is my little squirt gun, not going to do anything. And here you are, and you're trying, and but you're getting tired, and it's not doing anything. And then, and, he, and the enemy starts whispering to you, like, "What are you doing trying to reach broken people? You're just another broken person. What are broken people trying to reach other broken people? You might, you might as well give up and give in and, and just go home and just quit. And, and you know, what are you even trying for anyway? And here's what begins to happen." Is we understand the call. Man, I, if I'm going to live for the one, I'm, I'm going to also look for the ones. You hear the call, but you just get so overwhelmed that you start to, come on, you start to shut down. And what I think has happened in churches all across America, but we are not going to let it happen here, is that we've fallen into a place of complacency we, we've found ourselves in a place of indifference where we feel like we can't do anything and therefore we don't try anything. But church, listen. I'm using for the one on purpose because as you live for the one, you're gonna look for the one. The one, the one, the one, the one, the one. And I'll say it to you like this. You might not be able to reach everybody at your place of employment, you might not be able to reach everybody under your sphere of influence at your business that you own or whatever. You might not be able to change, change and, and be a part of change the life of everybody in your classroom. But listen to me, you're actually responsible for at least one. I think you could reach one. One. You got to learn and, I, and I've got to learn to take the many and boil it down to the one. Because the many is overwhelming. The many makes me want to quit. Many, the many makes me want to go home. The many makes me feel, what am I even doing? But if I go one, I can do one. Think about the way Jesus did ministry. As the worship team comes up. Think about the way Jesus did ministry. When we tell the stories of the lives, lives touched through Jesus, what do we have? We've got, well, we've got, we got Mary, the well. Get the woman at the well. We've got, we've got uh, Zacchaeus. Where Zacchaeus was the wee little man, a wee little man was he? He climbed up in, right? 
Zacchaeus is up in the tree. We've got, think about the man with the withered hand. And you go on, there's all these stories of Jesus, the, the blind man, he spat on the ground and he, he made mud. That'd be a funny thing. You can't see, but you hear Jesus spit on the ground and all of a sudden you got mud going in your eyes. And, and you think about all these stories. You know what they all have in common? They were all individuals. Think about that for one second. Jesus is surrounded by mass need. There's, there's, in some, some sense, there's chaos all around Jesus as he's walking down the street and there's need everywhere and people crying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And then Jesus in the middle of all that goes, hey, Zacchaeus. You see, he, in the midst of the many, Jesus always found the one. And Jesus went on to find this one and, and then that one and then that one. And pretty soon he's got, he got 12 ones all these disciples and this one this one once was a fisherman but but now he's following Jesus he, he kind of still a mess but he's following Jesus and, and then we got this one and we got that and then God used those 12 ones to go and reach 70 ones and then those 70 ones come on they reached multitude of ones and multitude of, and we're living in the wake of a Jesus who just said I'm going to focus on one and I'm telling you church there's power in it and I think the enemy has had his, his day long enough where he silences the church because we just think, oh, we can't do anything. What am I doing in this environment? Everything's against me. Everything's on fire and, and all the policies are against me and all the, all the rhetoric's against me and all the people are against me. God is for you. God is behind you. And I'm telling you, there's one. Even right now as I speak, I'm praying God shows you the one. Come on. The one at your workplace, the one at school, the one, come on, the, there's one in your family. Come on, there's one in your family. Tate and I always live in a season where we always are asking ourselves, always in a place where we say, who's our one? We always feel like I can't, I can't do for everybody, but my goodness, I'm going to do for somebody. So who's our one? I'm going to do for the one what I wish I could do for everybody. And you got to live that way. Who's your one? Come on, who's your one at work? Who's your one at school? I, 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 want, I want you to think this way. When you walk in rooms, there's, there's going to be one. There's, there's, there's a one in every room, everybody. There, there's one in Starbucks. There's one in Trader Joe's. There's one in, everywhere you go. There are people that, I'm going to say this, they need you. They need you to shine your light. They need you to see them. They, they need you to notice them. They need you to listen to them. They need you to invite them. They need you to bring them. They, they need you to pray for them. They, they need you. There's, there's other people in life. They need you. They just need you to be a little patient with them. They need you not to give up on them. Oh, you've been wanting to. But God brought me here today to tell you, he's not done working in that situation. He's not walked away. Don't you walk away. You keep focused, you keep determined, you keep, come on, you just, you, you live for the one and you look for the one. You stay focused on the one. Come on, guys. Big vision, big vision, massive vision, narrow focus, narrow focus, narrow focus every day. Come on, I'm just going to keep on doing what he's called me to do. And I'm telling you, friends, there's no telling. There's no telling what this church would look like in six weeks, seven weeks, if we all lived that way. There's no telling what our, what our city would look like if we lived that way. And just let God do what God wants to do in every situation we walk in. Who's your one? 
Let me give you a verse. Matthew 18, 12. Matthew 18, 12 says this. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 and go look for the one that wandered off? God works this way. He's like, look for the one. Look for the one. Where are we? He said, I'll leave the 99 and go after that one. And he's going to put them all around you. Church, will you stand your feet with me this morning? We got a gift for you, everybody. If we could pass out those gifts. Anyone like gifts? I like gifts. We got a gift for you, everybody. And here's what they are. I got everybody one of these. A little bracelet. And here's what it says. For the one. Someone say, for the one. 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 And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you, church, that you and I, together as we enter this season. Come on. Let's, let's go. Let's, how about we wear these? through this whole next season as we go into our, we got, a, we got a new series called Hot Takes coming up. We're gonna talk about all the things that you guys have wanted to know out of, out of God's word. And it's a great series to invite friends to and, and to get community out to. And, and here's what I ask you to do. Can, can we just wear these over that whole season? And let's do this. Let it be the reminder that every environment we go into, come on, say, I'm living for the one and I'm looking for the one. I'm living for the one and I'm looking. So I look down and go, can I do this for the one? Who is my one? And just let our life become brought back to the simplicity and the strength of just keeping our eyes and our life fixed and focused on Jesus. In Jesus' name. Come on, church, you with me? Amen. Come on. Come on, church, amen. God, we love you and we thank you so much, Jesus, for your word. God, we thank you for our time together in it. God, we thank you for all that you want to do in this next season. We commit it all to you right now. And God, we got many dreams in our heart. God, so much vision. But in the middle of all that vision, God, we're going to walk with a narrow focus. You are our aim. We're going to live for you. Live for the one. And God, would you help us also to look for the one? Just to bring the simplicity back to our lives of what it is to walk with you day by day by day by day. The heads bowed and your eyes closed. Listen, church, when God looks down in this room, he doesn't just see a crowd. He sees the individual. He sees the one. I want you to know God sees you. Some of you in here today, man, you've been doing your own thing. You've been walking your own way, going your own way. You're not, you're not living for God. You're not living for the one. You're, you're living for you. You, you, you. You're one of the ones we talked about. You don't have the vision, and so you do whatever. You're ending up wherever. And friends, that could all change right now in this moment. I'm going to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus, to surrender your life to him. I'm going to lead you in a word of prayer. The Bible says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, every single one of us. The wages of that is, is death. It's a separation from God in the here and now, and one that will last for all eternity, if not dealt with in the here and now. That's what Jesus came to do deal with. He gave his life on the cross so that you can be forgiven and everything you deserve for your sins was poured out on Jesus so you can, you can be washed, cleansed. Some of you need that right now to be forgiven. You know how you receive that forgiveness? It's called repentance. It means that you just turn to him. And some of you need to turn to him this morning. I'm going to lead you in a word of prayer if that's you. Come on, have this conversation with God. Choose to live for him today. You say this, you say, God, 
I thank you that you love me right where I am. But I know that you've got more for me. And so today, I choose to surrender to you. I thank you, Jesus, for going to the cross on my behalf and giving your life in my place. Would you forgive me today? Would you wash me and cleanse me? And I thank you, Jesus, for rising again from the grave to lead me into life. Would you fill me with your spirit and help me to walk with you all the days of my life? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, listen, if you just made that decision, I would love to be able to celebrate with you. But this is a party going on in heaven. I'm going to count to three, and if you prayed that prayer with me, would you just let me know? I think it's so important that you just let someone know. I'm going to count to three, and if that's you, come on, just, just with all sorts of just unashamed, I'm all in excitement. I'm just going to ask you to throw your hand in the air. If that's you on three, would you let me know? Come on, one, Jesus loves you more than you could ever imagine. Two, he gave his life so that you can live. Come on, here's your moment. Three, if you throw your hand up in the air, God bless you, sir, and you in the back, and you over here, and you here, and you here, and you there, and you in the back and my right. Come on, hands all over the place. Church, can we celebrate with each and every one that made the decision? We're so proud of you. Thanks for joining us for today's message from Citizens Church. It's our prayer that through this message, God would impact and inspire your life. If you have any questions for us or would like to let us know how God is using these messages in your life, please let us know by sending an email to connect at citizenschurch.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online and help in seeing more lives changed through the work here at Citizens Church. Thank you so much for joining us. Gotta, gotta keep on